that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to be beginning in verse 1. Now, last week we began, I think it's a three-part series. I'm pretty sure next week will be the last part uh, on the Holy Spirit, our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Our souls are under attack. And the question is, who are you going to listen to? Where are you going to turn when the enemy comes? As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. Romans 8, 14. We're going to try to get there today. And so many people are being led by the world and all the voices of the world. And if you'll remember when we were in John, excuse me, 1 John 2, 15 through 17 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world, for all that is in the world is of the world and not of, excuse me, let's just go there. 1 John or I'm going to sit here and mess that up. 1 John 2, 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, listen, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the boastful pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. Now listen, and the world is passing away death culture, something that's dying is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Listen, this is so important for us, because if we're listening and chasing and doing what the flesh naturally does, if we're loving, we cannot be bearing fruit because we're not surrendering to the work of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit wants to sanctify and cleanse us. If our hearts still desire to go out and have the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, and we're not actively saying, Holy Spirit, help me. If we're not actively getting into the wash tub to be washed and cleansed. Listen to me. It's just like when you wash clothes or wash dishes. You put the water in, and then you put the soap in, and then you move it around a little bit, and you see if it comes clean. Seriously. It's the washing of the water through the Word. You put the Holy Spirit in. When you're born again and you ask Jesus to come into your heart and you believe that He's Lord and that God raised Him from the dead, the Spirit comes in and seals you. The water comes in. Now you have to begin to actively put the soap in, the Word of God, the truth of God. And then you kind of move it around and you say, do I believe this? How do I make this work in my life? How do I witness this? How do I be a part of this? And it begins to change and renew your mind. And it cleans you from the inside out. And what's going on on the inside comes out here. 
So when we're still loving the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, we're still in sin and self and Satan. We, it comes out on the outside by what we're interested in, by what we're doing, by how we're living. And we can either become a pretender, a hypocrite, with two masks. Remember, that's where, a hypocrite, that's where that comes from. Have you ever seen them masks? The double masks, the white and the black ones. Sometimes it's yin and yang. That's just as evil. But they had the, in, the, in the play acting, they would just have a mask on a stick. And they could just play different parts at the same time on the stage. And they didn't have as many people in the act. And you could just put this mask on and go, hi, I'm at church. This is who I am. I'm really a good Christian person. And you can go, hi, I'm at work. Let's tell a dirty joke at the water fountain. Let's be like the world. Let's live that way. And now you're not happy in either world. You're not cooperating with the Holy Spirit who wants to wash you and cleanse you. He wants you to come and draw near and surrender and be washed by Jesus. And he wants to, listen, how's the, how is Jesus in you and I in him? John 15, 5. I am the vine, Jesus says, and you are the branches. If, you, if a man abided me and I in him, both together, there's a relationship you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Not some, nothing. Absolutely nothing. And you still think you're hooked to the vine. You go to church. You might even go to Bible study. You might use some Christianese and you say, I'm still okay. I'm still going to church. I'm still doing the things. But you're not allowing the Spirit of God to come in and wash you and cleanse you. You're not learning to walk according to the Spirit so you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh, which is in this text this morning that we're going to be looking at. So we need to understand the work of the Holy Spirit in the Christian. It cannot be I said a prayer and now I go and ignore the Holy Spirit. Proverbs 1.23, turn at my rebuke. What does God say? Surely I will pour my spirit out upon you. Then what will he do, Greg? I will make my word known to you. Well, why does his word need to be known to us? So that it washes us and cleanses us because we've been looking at the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the boastful pride of life and following lies. We need his word, the truth, to be made known to us, real to us in our hearts so that we choose to follow him. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. We choose to follow the truth instead of choosing to follow the lie or the voice of the world or the reasoning of the world or the wisdom of the world that comes from the evil one. We have to make these decisions. But if we're not reading the word of God, spending time with God, allowing the living word of God to wash us and cleanse us, then we don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit that we should be having so repentance, turn at my rebuke. That's the first word of the gospel. First word of the gospel is repentance. Metanoia, to turn. I was going this way, walking away from the light, living away from the light, living in the world, enemies with God, and I heard the voice of God through the Spirit of God, this is how it's going to happen, who convicted me of sin and righteousness and judgment, and I turned and I began to go back toward the light. And as I kept getting closer to the light, it gets brighter and brighter and it's easier to see. And I understand the wisdom. And that's the way it happens with the fruit of the Spirit. That's the way it happens with the work of the Spirit. The Spirit of God seals you 
And now you have a choice. Am I going to keep going into darkness and begin to grieve the Holy Spirit, insult the Holy Spirit, lie to the Holy Spirit, quench the Holy Spirit, resist the Holy Spirit? Or am I going to turn toward the light and begin to ask the teacher, the Holy Spirit, the one that Jesus sent back for us, how do I walk this life out? I got nothing in me that knows how to walk this, so I need you to guide me into all truth, to lead me into all truth, to wash me and cleanse me, to remind me and convict me when I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Listen, Galatians 5 is going to cover some of these Things. Listen, listen, first word of the gospel, repentance. We do not worship the gospel. Listen, this is very important. We don't worship the cross. Listen to me. We don't worship the resurrection. You need to know this because, see, people get lost. People get caught up in it. We don't worship church. We don't worship our Bible. We worship God, the living God a relationship with the living God. And it's easy to begin to worship the things that you do. It's easy to begin to think that the things that you do are why you're saved, but you're saved by the blood of Jesus. Faith alone, blood alone, grace alone. Don't be confused. Confusion is from the devil. And there's life nowhere but in the Spirit. Remember last week, John 6, 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. Remember the Spirit raised Jesus' body. His Spirit was already alive. His Spirit, the Spirit of God raised the body of Christ back alive. And He wants to raise us to life. Listen, it is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and life. That's what he's saying. That this word right here is spirit and life. Put together, they wash and cleanse you. Put together, they become a roadmap. Put together, they become light of the world that that takes you to where you need to be going. But if we continue to ignore the word of God and the spirit of God, are we really in and a relationship with the Son of God? Do we really believe? See, there's a lot of people that make an intellectual assent. Oh, I believe in the blood. I believe in the cross. I believe that Jesus died. And then they go and they continue living the same way. See, we don't believe it in our heart unless it affects the way we live. And you have to begin to allow the Holy Spirit to affect. You can't, you can't grieve Him. Remember this? Uh, grieving Him, Ephesians 4.30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So the Holy Spirit comes in, Ephesians 1.13, and seals you. Down payment. You're mine. You're my possession. And now you have a choice. Are you going to be led by the Holy Spirit, taught by the Holy Spirit, washed and cleansed by the Holy Spirit? As you do the things that go along with the gospel scheme of things? Or are you going to begin to grieve the Holy Spirit? To cause distress, cause grief, make him sorry, or then begin to quench him. 
to extinguish and say, well, his power means nothing to me. It's nothing in my life because I'm ignoring him. I'm, I'm grieving him. And he's going, oh, please don't do that. Boom, please don't do that. And then you begin to put out the entire work of the Holy Spirit that sealed you. And then you begin to, what's the third one? Uh, maybe lie to the Holy Spirit. Ananias and Sapphira. Lying to me. Listen, listen. You go to you can go read Acts chapter five. It's in verse three. Peter says, Why why have you let Satan put in your heart to lie to God? Lie to the Holy Spirit of promise. Because when you pretend before men, you're actually lying to God. When we pretend before men that we're doing the same thing, that what were they doing? They wanted the same recognition as Barnabas, the son of encouragement. Remember, Barnabas sold everything, and he gave it all to the church, and he said, I'm all in. And he began to go on, and he was one of Paul's first mission on the journey with Paul the first time. He's the one that introduced Paul, who was an enemy of the church, to the boys in Jerusalem. But Ananias and Sapphira, seeing that he was getting some attention, they were jealous, and they go, we want some of the same attention. We want to look like Barnabas. We want to be called the son of encouragement. We want to be out front. So they went and sold a certain piece of property, and they came in, and they laid the money down before the feet of, of Peter, and Peter goes, was it your property? Uh-huh. Well, why did you lie then? Why did you say you sold it for such and such when you really sold it for so much more and then you acted like you gave everything to the church, everything to God? See, God already knows, and it's a lie to the Holy Spirit when we live in hypocrisy. Listen, repentance, the first word. We turn. We ask God to forgive us. He's faithful and just to forgive and cleanse but we have to begin to hear the Holy Spirit and the work that He's doing in our lives. Or we begin to resist Him. Like the nation of Israel, where you see Stephen in his great dissertation of the entire historicity of Israel. 751, he just stopped and said, You stiff neck and uncircumcised in heart, you always resist the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's how the nation of Israel became completely apostate. That's how they ended up crucifying the Lord of glory because he wasn't doing what they wanted to do according to the lust of their eyes, the lust of flesh, and pride of life. So they said, crucify him. Let's crucify him. Listen, the Holy Spirit seals you. The Holy Spirit is God himself. He comes to live in your heart. Isn't that amazing that God can live in this heart as ugly as our hearts can be? He knows everything about it. And he's in there wanting to do complete home makeover. He doesn't want to tear down some walls and just repair some things. The flesh, there's nothing good that dwells in the flesh. We're supposed to be crucified with Christ. We're supposed to be dead. And we're going to see it in Romans 8 here in a little bit. We're supposed to be dead. And then the Holy Spirit gives life to our mortal bodies, sanctifies our lives, spirit, soul, and body. He'll do it. He's faithful. He called you. He can do it. But we have to choose to turn our hearts toward home. We have to choose to have a relationship with God through the work of the Holy Spirit who is revealing everything about Christ and making us like Him. Are you asking him to wash and cleanse you? Are you listening? Are you obeying? Are you following? Who's leading your life? Who are you listening to? What voices? 
What's the authority in your life? You have to make these decisions. Is it the word of God? Is it the spirit of God? They're the same. They're all doing the same work of the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit in your life. We're betrothed to Christ. Betrothed, but we can commit adultery. Idolatry. We can walk away and ignore the work of the Holy Spirit. We can resist. We can quench. We can grieve. We can lie to God. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. Did I already mention this? Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit without measure, John tells us. Everything that he did, led by the Spirit up into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He was, he was the Spirit uh, uh, come upon him fully, without measure. And that same thing can happen to us, but it's a process that happens as we surrender and become like Christ. But do we care to be like Christ? That's why the lie is so, so important to understand that just saying one prayer does not make you finished it makes you in the race sealed until the day of redemption if you mean it in your heart we have to be sure to be begin to let god burn out the dross in our lives so with that i think i don't like doing topicals with that let's look at Galatians 5. And I'm just going to pray before we started like I did last week because we're going to do the whole chapter and it's a lot. Um, I want to cover a few points in it. I'm not going to completely cover it in depthly, but just walk through it. And then we'll go look at another text. Father, we give you praise and we ask that the Spirit would speak to our hearts. We ask, Lord, that your word would become alive, that it would bear fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold, that we, Lord, have been called by you. We have been bought by the precious blood of Jesus, and now the Spirit is in us, and we ask, Lord, that you would give us the grace and the mercy to go onward and upward, to continue to run this race with endurance for your glory for such a time as this. Give us a desire to be witnesses to others about what you're doing that sets us free to follow Jesus. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So, Paul, writing to the church in Galatia, says in 5.1, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Stand fast means it's not the same stand as Ephesians 6, histami, but it means to be, to, to be stationary, to stay in one place. It means to persevere. Lots of stuff are going to come down. There's going to be lots of, uh, of false teachers, lots of lies, and we're supposed to be standing fast in the liberty, in the freedom in which Christ has made us free. It's freedom. It's moral freedom. It's by grace alone, by faith alone, and we don't want to move away. So they're coming against Paul. 
And, and the false teachers, the Judaizers, and other Jews are telling them that they have to, to keep the law. They have to do certain things to be saved. And there's a couple of things that can happen. If you're never saved, you can't be sanctified. But once you are saved, now the thing that the devil wants to do is to get you to think that you're being sanctified and becoming more like Christ by the works of the law, by doing and see, you can never get sanctified or saved or cleansed or anything with the Spirit by doing in the flesh. It has to be by obeying the Spirit, by following the Spirit of God. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. And so once you come into the body of Christ, now the Spirit of God has gifts and talents and abilities, has the direction, has a place for you. Everything is written already. He knows where He wants you to be, what He wants you to do, what, you're, what He's going to give you for, as a part of the body. And it's up to God. You have been bought with a price. But what we do in the church in America is we say a prayer and then we go on with life as normal and say, well, I'm saved. I said a prayer. But no, you've been bought by the precious blood of Jesus. You're not your own anymore. And now the Holy Spirit wants to begin to change you. So the very thing that we want to do is we begin to follow the law. Well, I dressed up this morning. Well, I went to church this morning. Well, I was doing this this morning. None of those things save you. We're saved by grace alone, by faith alone. In fact, it's in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. For you are saved by grace through faith. It's not of yourself. Not nothing you can do. It is a gift of God, not of works. Works of the flesh, lest anyone should boast. Somebody could say, well, I'm doing more work than them. So it's, 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 it's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But, but he says... Just two pages away, so I'm going to go there. We are his workmanship, his poema, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, how are we going to walk in them if we don't know what they are? How are we going to walk in them if we don't have the strength to do them? How are we going to walk in the good works that God created beforehand unless we listen to the Holy Spirit? Unless we begin to ask the Holy Spirit, what are my gifts? What are my talents? What are my abilities? What am I doing in the body of Christ? Unless we begin to have this relationship with the Holy Spirit to continue to follow, to stand in that freedom, we'll be led away by every wind of doctrine. We'll be led away by every teacher. We'll be led away. This is part of building this personal relationship. The Holy Spirit begins to teach you, guide you, lead you in what you're supposed to be doing. And really, it's actually just doing the natural as God does the supernatural. As you get into the word, prayer, and fellowship, the Holy Spirit will change you from the inside out. And you'll be like, what am I supposed to be doing? And you'll be doing it already. I remember after I got saved, I've been saved for about a year, and I just, the, the Holy Spirit showed me that my pastor had way too much stuff going on. That every time I turn around, he's, got, he's juggling 12 things. He's got three one o'clock appointments and all these, and I just began to take stuff out of his hand. I just began to grab stuff and go, let me get that for you, Tom. Here, Tom, let me do that for you. And I had no idea. I had never been in church, didn't know anything about church. And so he asked me to go to a conference with him. I go to a conference with him, and I'm sitting there. My wife was right next to me, and this guy begins to speak and say what an associate pastor was. And I began to cry because I realized that I was being an associate pastor without even trying to be one. 
I was just making sure the pastor was free to be with the people, to talk to the people, to study the Word of God and be able to minister. And I, I just began to cry. I remember sitting in the gymnasium and it was Don McClure who was speaking. I remember every bit of it. It's been 25 years because it really freaked me out. I go, what? I'm an associate pastor? I had no idea, but what happens? People come into the body of Christ, and they start looking for a position, and they start jockeying in the flesh. They start looking what I want to do, what's easy for me, how I can get this done, how I can do that. This is not your factory. This is not a job. This is a love relationship, and the Holy Spirit is in charge of all of this. The Holy Spirit puts it upon your heart, and you can say, nope, don't want to clean toilets. Nope, don't want to do that. Nope, don't want to do that. Nope, I'm not going to say nothing. I'm not doing nothing. And you begin to grieve. You begin to quench. You begin to resist what the Holy Spirit has called you for, what He saved you for, what He's doing in your life. See, you don't get, you know, you get all the glory if it's something you can do. He wants to use you for what you can't do. It's not by faith if you say, well, i got enough money to do that. Oh, I've been doing this all my life. Let me do it. That's not faith. You can see that. You can see yourself doing that because you've been doing that because that's what you like to do. This is about death to self. This is about going and doing things that you had no idea God had called you for. Then the Spirit is working. Then the Spirit gets to change you while you die to self. And He's building up on the inside. And He's the one that's in authority. All you're doing is going, here I am. Send me, Lord. Here I am. Send my brother. You're just surrendering to the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the clay in the potter's hand. The clay has no say-so over what he's being shaped into. It's on the wheel. It's just abiding in the hands of the Master. And he shapes it the way he wants to. And as he puts it through the fire, it hardens and it becomes this new structure, this new creation that he can use as a vessel to put his spirit in and pour himself out on so that other people will come to salvation. There has to be a death to self to follow Jesus and to be led by the Spirit of God. If you already want to do it, you're not submitting. I say it all the time in marriage counseling. It's not submitting by a spouse when you do what you already want to do. We already want to buy houses. We already want to buy cars. We already want to be better and keep up with the Joneses. Those are things we already want to do. We already want to have a good family. So when you're doing that, that's not submitting to your husband. That's doing what you already want in your heart. It's when your husband says, no, we're not doing that. And you go, wait a minute. That's when the rubber meets the road. When the Holy Spirit says, turn right, and you go, no, I want to go left. That's when submission comes in. That's when you find out if you're a soldier in the army of the living God. That's when you find out if you want to resist or quench a lie to the Holy Spirit. It's a complete surrender that we need to do. And nobody's going to do it perfectly. But if we don't get started at looking at it, Listen, you don't get started. You don't train your heart. Your heart's not being renewed. Your mind's not being renewed. You're resisting. You're walking away in the darkness and saying, well, that's what Greg thinks, or that's what that pastor thinks, or that's what they think, but I can do it this way. No, there's one way. And the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they're one in this. And they have got this plan that they're doing, and you have to do it their way. 
And I'm not saying you're balancing yourself on the top of, of this one little bitty place. You can walk in freedom and in liberty. Or you can go back into bondage and you put yourself in bondage through your own sin and self and Satan, listening to the voice of the world, listening to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the boastful pride of life. Or you can begin to ask the Holy Spirit, what am I doing? What are we doing? I'm a new creation now. Put in me yourself so that I can see what I'm supposed to be doing, where I'm supposed to be going. How I'm supposed to be living as a new creation. Stand fast in that freedom. Why are we set free? For freedom's sake, we've been set free. I don't know how I thought I could get through a whole chapter in Galatians. Listen, we've been set free to follow Jesus. It's that simple. Not set free to go back into bondage. Not set free to do what we want to do. Set free to follow the Spirit of God who is the spirit of truth, who washes and cleanses us with the word. So if Christ has made you free, you need to stand in that freedom and don't let something else put you back into bondage. Oh, I'm saved because I know I read my Bible this week. I'm saved because I went to church this week. I'm saved. No, no, those things don't work. You can tell a tree by its fruit. And if you want to see fruit, it has to start on the inside and come out. Works are on the outside, but they're not on the inside. Works of the flesh are on the outside, but they're not on the inside. And then when you hit the wrong nail with the hammer, the heart comes out. Now the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So when the abundance of the heart is being changed by the Spirit of God, when you're, you're concerned about other people and serving them and giving them a witness and a testimony that they don't have to be in bondage and keep pretending, that's when you know the Holy Spirit is using your life. And you're going to tell them no matter what the cost. We see it in the pages of Scripture. Every witness, every apostle, every, they were killed for their faith. We don't even want to be talked bad about for our faith. I think I'll just be quiet. They might say that I'm a Jesus freak. Really, that would really hurt. Jesus freak. Do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Now, a yoke, we're supposed to be in discipleship with the Spirit of God, with Christ, yoked with Him. He's doing all the work, and all we're doing is tagging along. All we're doing is showing up. All we're doing is being faithful to show up and say, yes, Lord. Listen, a yoke, you would take an older ox and a a younger ox, and you'd yoke them in the same yoke, but you'd put all the weight on the older ox so that the younger ox is just following along closely, just walking behind, being led by the shepherd. But at the same time, that younger ox is seeing everything that's going on and their faith is growing because they see that it's possible and see that it can be done. And he's saying, don't put yourself back in a yoke of bondage by following the wrong people, the wrong ways, the wrong spirit. There's the spirit of Antichrist out there. There's false teaching everywhere. There's, there, there's every wind of doctrine you can follow. But are you being led by the spirit of God? For as many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the children of God. Entangled, ensnared. Bondage is slavery. Don't be put back into the slavery of sin 
or a works-based salvation. See, when you begin to trust in your works, when you begin to trust in anything other than grace alone by faith alone, God's riches at Christ's expense, grace, getting what we do not deserve by faith, confident trust in God. You begin to trust in something else. You begin to trust in showing up, reading. You begin to trust in anything. You've turned your trust and your faith to that thing instead of Christ. You've turned it away from the relationship. It's the same thing in marriage. Well, I work hard every day and I do all these things. Well, no, 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 no. Marriage is a relationship. You can't, turn your, you can't turn your heart away from your spouse and then say she messed up, he messed up, they messed up. Marriage is a relationship. The two agree as one. There's a contract. There's a covenant with God. And it can't be that I'm already doing these things. Why can't you do those? No, no, no. No, you don't give 50%. You give 100%. You give all. You can't blame it on somebody else when your relationship is messed up with Jesus. And it's the same thing in a marriage. If the marriage isn't going right, it's because your relationship is messed up with Jesus. You have to trust Jesus to deal with your spouse. It doesn't matter who it is. Or you're entangled again in a yoke of bondage. You're entangled in some other works-based thing saying, I'm doing my part in this marriage and they're not, so I'm going to get a divorce. I'm going to get rid of them. It's about your relationship. It's about you standing fast in your relationship by grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone. Indeed, I, Paul, verse 2, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who becomes circumcised that he is a debtor to keep the whole law. You have become estranged, cut off from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. Now, circumcision was a work of the law. And circumcision is, is, is he's going to say later, it's neither means nothing. It's a medical thing. Then it was a covenant thing under the old law. Under the new law, it's not. Now, it was always a type of cutting away the flesh, cutting away unneeded flesh. And that's what sanctification is, is that now we live in the spirit and we're going to cut away the flesh that would interfere and cause damage. I know people are like, oh, you're going to talk about that in church. Yeah, I'm going to talk about that in church because it's in the Bible. And so circumcision is something that needs to be done. It was supposed to be done on the eighth day. Eight is a number of new beginnings. It just so happens that medically, the eighth day is when the blood in a child is thick enough to coagulate and it doesn't kill them and they bleed to death. Now they just give them something that thickens their blood and they do it uh, and it's not on the eighth day. And it just so happens that medically that things can get in the foreskin and, 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 and cause infection and cause sickness and cause death. So you cut away that, and then when you take that into the spiritual realm, it's sin that can get in there because of your flesh, because you're living in the flesh, you're working in the flesh, you're still pursuing the lust of the eye and, and the boastful pride of life, the lust of the flesh, instead of being led by the Spirit and seeking things of the Spirit. And so it can get in there and it can kill you, and then you begin to trust and pretend and play, you begin to trust the things of the flesh, the work of the flesh. 
instead of cutting away the foreskin of the heart, the flesh that's in the way of the heart, the flesh that keeps you from following. This is the sanctification where we're being washed and cleansed and becoming more like Christ. And that's where he's going to culminate this at. When he gets to the end of it, it's the fruit of the Spirit. Not the works of the flesh, which profit nothing and you die. It's the fruit of the Spirit, which all you, how do you bear fruit? You see a, you ever see a, a peach tree? You ever see it grunting and groaning and trying to do something for itself? It just abides in the vine. It just, it just stays there. And all the nutrients of the whole tree, of the vine, grow in it. And that's all we have to do with Christ. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man abide in me, he can bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Trying to do it in the flesh, trying to do it some other way, trying to go back into bondage where you've been set free from, you'll bear no fruit that's godly. Oh, you'll get some dust stirred up. You'll get some people stirred up. You can even build some great grand cathedrals and build some great churches and have a bunch of people come in and follow you. Straight to hell. Because it has nothing to do with the Spirit of God. And that's what the devil loves to do, to get us stirred up. And he's saying, if you're going to do that, you have to do it just like Christ did. You have to keep all the law. And it's impossible for us to keep all the law. And James even says, if you break one part of the law, you broke all the law. It's an all or nothing. I don't know anybody in here can keep all the Ten Commandments, even with the Spirit. Not for the rest of your life. Not continually, not perfectly. It's not possible. That's why you have to reckon the old man dead. You have to crucify the works of the flesh. You have to beat the body into subjection. Paul says, when I box, I don't box as if I'm throwing into the air. He said, I'm, I'm, I'm boxing, I'm sparring and doing it the way you could do it if you're going to actually be in a battle. I'm beating myself and beating it into subjection. It's work. Think about it. You go out into a knotless club or someplace and they're like, yeah, no pain, no gain. Really? And then we look at it in the spirit and we think, I don't have to do nothing. I can just, I can just say a prayer and I'm in like Flynn. I seen a guy yesterday saying, I'm having a problem with that fornication word. Really? It's in the Bible. You have a problem with God. When you have a problem with, with, with what the Bible says, you have a problem with God, not with the person teaching it. When you have a problem with being led by the Spirit, you have a problem with God. This is important. This is your soul. This is your soul. This is not you following somebody across town. This is not you looking at a map and going, man, the GPS is yelling, turn right, turn right. You're still looking at a paper map trying to figure out where you're at. The GPS is yelling, turn right. This is important. And we're still looking back at the law where it's written down on paper and he's written it on our hearts. We need to be listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us or we end up in a ditch. And it's not going to be okay. When you start off in sin, when you start off wrong and you're not listening to what the Spirit is doing, you will end up someplace thinking you're doing good and you'll be living according to your own works. You'll be living to what you've built and you have to hold it up and you'll be like, man, I am tired. I'm getting so tired holding this up on my own self. But there's freedom, there's liberty. You can walk in Christ and know that you're doing what he called you to do, that you're being the man of God, the woman of God, the child of God, that's being led by the Spirit of God freely to follow Jesus, and he's in heaven where we want to be, where our citizenship's at. 
So if we begin to just try to keep the law, circumcision is what they were talking about, because that's what the Judaizers were teaching. The Judaizers were following Paul from place to place and going, hey, 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 what Paul's saying is part right, but, but also you gotta, uh, you got to also keep the law. you got to be circumcised. you got to become a Jew first. got to be a proselyte. you got to do all these things. Grace alone, faith alone, Jesus alone, rest. But he said we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that we should walk in them. And the only way to walk in them is by the power of the Holy Spirit. And faith without the works of God is dead faith, James says. It's demonic faith. To be saved and not even try to do the work that God has called you to do is demonic faith. It's not real faith. It's not saving faith. And that's going on at the same time. So you and I should be able to understand that there's going to be evidence if we're abiding in the vine. It's not that we're working in the vine. It's not that we're trying to prune ourselves. It's not that we're taking care of. That's what the whole John 15 is about. Jesus says, I am the true vine of Israel, and my Father is the vine dresser. And then he talks about if you bear fruit, he will prune you so you can bear more fruit. That's still cutting away the flesh. It's cutting away what we call sucker branches. Branches that, that, that suck a bunch of energy from the vine, but they never bear fruit. They're never going to bear fruit. They're, they're, they're your flesh. So he cuts them off, and then you go, oh, that's painful. Oh, that hurts. But it causes more growth than you would ever believe and allows more nutrients to go to the rest of the fruit that's in your life. So if you try to do works or you try to be circumcised, you become a debtor to keep the whole law. If you try to hold yourself up and save by your works alone, you're going to have to do it perfectly and you're not going to be able to do it. You become estranged. You become separated from the work of God. And King James says it's become of no effect unto you. It's useless. It makes it void. It's the same as being saved by yourself and Christ means nothing verse 4 he says you have become estranged from christ you who attempt to be justified now see that's the word righteousness it's the same word just as if you never sinned it's the same word justified is to render innocent or righteous and see jesus freely gives us his righteousness he freely justifies us by faith he gives us his account and he takes ours. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And that's the word justified. We're justified by grace alone, by faith alone. But true saving faith is not alone. It is becomes a workman who works the work that God has given us by the power of the Holy Spirit for his glory for such a time as this. And if you try to do it justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. That's a choice you will make. Isn't that interesting? Fallen. Where have you fallen from? To drop away. It's like the, the fruit falling off the trees. You ever seen that? Fallen from the vine. Laying on the ground. And unless that's rescued... It's going to end up dying. Now, in John 15, I'm not teaching that, but I keep getting involved in it. 
in lower Jerusalem when they were going out in John 15. They, they, there's a teaching where they, they, the people would be sitting there working and they would take the grapes that were touching the sand and they would lift them up and they'd clean them off really nice and they'd set them back down. They'd slide a rock under them so that the sand didn't cause this fungus to grow on them because that's what was happening. So that the fruit gets saved if you listen to what Jesus is saying. And, and they would just wipe them off with a little bit of water and cleanse them, and then they put a rock under their feet. And if you've fallen from this and you think you're saved by something you're doing instead of by grace alone and faith alone, then you really need to know that it's the Spirit of God in you that's bearing fruit. It's not you doing work to be saved. It's the Spirit that convicts you. It's the Spirit that tells you. And then you believe. He seals you. He comes and lives in you. And then He wants to be the strength of your life. He wants to be the power in your life. He wants to lead you, guide you, and teach you, and sanctify you with all truth. But you can resist Him and quench Him and grieve Him and lie to Him and uh, ignore the work that God has for you. Now look at verse 5. Paul says what he's doing. For we eagerly wait. Did I leave something out? For we eagerly wait. Are you eagerly waiting, but you're leaving the Spirit out? See, there's a form of godliness which denies the power thereof. And that's what's growing up in the church today, in the world today. For we, let me read the whole scripture, through the Spirit eagerly wait. Man, waiting's hard, isn't it? Waiting on God to produce fruit in your life. Waiting on God to do stuff. It's so much easier just to run out and do it. And I can get it done. I'm a person that can do it. We eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. See, you can't do it yourself. We're waiting for the righteousness that comes by faith. But we're waiting by the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not waiting on our own. In Titus 2, 11, and you can write these down. He says, for the grace of God that brings salvation, deliverance from the sin nature, has appeared to all men whomsoever will believe what's he doing greg verse 12 teaching us that denying self denying ungodliness and worldly lust we should live soberly righteously and godly in the present age what are we doing while we do all of that looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing second coming of our great god and savior jesus christ what did he do why should we be looking for him who gave himself for us why did he give himself for us that we might that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify that's our own works the lawless deeds and purify for himself that's sanctification his own special people zealous for good works listen true faith grace alone faith alone but true faith has works that are god's alone we're going to be rewarded by them they're god's alone because they're produced by the spirit it's not something we do in the flesh so he says through the Spirit, they're waiting for that righteousness that comes by faith, by confident trust in God. What are you trusting in? What are you trusting in today? Verse 6, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. 
So it doesn't matter if you get circumcised or don't get circumcised. It doesn't matter if you do or don't do for salvation. In fact, medically, uh, they say it's better to be circumcised. But it avails nothing. What, what avails something then? Here's the contrast. Faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For you first must believe that He is, and He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Hebrews eleven six. Faith, and it's working. Faith works. Look, through love. Oh, man. Well, God is love. And the fruit of the Spirit is love. And you have to wait for this to be produced in you because you're abiding in the vine and then God begins to grow it as He washes and cleanses you. Because I'm telling you right now, you can't love people in the flesh. You can talk about them. You can run from them. You can hide from them. You can't love them because the love of God meets people where they're at and encourages them to grow. And teaches them the truth and is not afraid to witness to them. Is not afraid to tell them the truth because the love of God realizes that they're going to go to hell. And they're going to die. And that they're living in their own esteem. And they're chasing the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the boastful pride of life. And that stuff is passing away. It's death culture. And the people who believe in God, the Spirit of God, wants people to turn their eyes the other way and begin to look upward. Upward where our citizenship's at, where our life is at. And when Colossians 3, Paul says, when, when he appears, our life will appear again with him. We're dead right now, dead men walking. And Christ alive in us by the power of the Spirit. We're going to talk about it over in Romans in a minute if we ever get done with this. It's very important that we understand the work of the Holy Spirit and we do not try to fulfill salvation in our flesh with nice churches, with nice stained glass windows, with nice rules. But it's being led by the Spirit of God to do the work of God for the glory of God. So it's faith working through love. And then he says this in verse 7. You ran well. So they started well. They said a prayer well. They were in the race for a minute well, the foolish Galatians that he called them before. You ran well. See, we're in this race. He uses these different analogies. And then he says, who hindered you from obeying the truth? Now, I can just tell you that when I read that sentence, then I know that I have a, a, in me, the Spirit is trying to teach me to obey the truth. Right? That's God's plan, His salvation. He, he took our sin and He gave us His righteousness. And how did He get His righteousness? By perfectly obeying the truth. And they started off running well, but then somebody hindered them. Something hindered them. Some false teacher, some lie. The word hindered is to beat back. It means to... to, 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 to uh, uh, it's actually... Like a, a, a ship that's in the water and it gets off course and it knocks you off course. And now you're no longer anchored to Christ and grace alone and faith alone, but somebody hindered you from obeying the truth, from following the truth, from listening to the Holy Spirit. Who's the only way? The only way you're ever going to follow truth, the only way you're ever going to obey truth, the only way you're ever going to be in the will of God is by the Spirit of God. 
because that's the that's the teacher that Christ sent back. And we're going to get to that hopefully next week. He says, I'll not leave you orphans, but I will send you another. The spirit of truth, the comforter who will be with you and in you. And we're going to get to that. But that's probably next week's lesson. I don't want to get caught up in this. But are you, I mean, do you have a focus on, wait a minute, I want to be like Christ. I want to surrender my life. I want the Spirit of God to teach me the truth of God. And then I want to become a doer of that word and not a hearer only. I want to learn to obey it. And when I know that I'm not obeying it, I want to confess it because he continues to cleanse me from all unrighteousness when I do that. But my whole focus in salvation is coming back underneath the authority of the Spirit. It's a spiritual kingdom. He's a spiritual God. It's a spiritual. It, my whole purpose is coming back to be like Christ. And that's what the Spirit of God is doing. He's leading me into all truth, leading me to learn truth. And then I choose truth and then I follow truth or I can reject, I can quench, I can resist. I can decide to do what I want to do somewhere in the middle of my walk. I'm running a race and I decide I don't want to run by the rules anymore. Guess what happens? You get disqualified. Think about it. If you're running a, a, a well, I don't know what they even run anymore, 1600 meter relay. And you have to pass the baton to somebody else. That's witnessing, that's testifying, that's telling the next generation. And you drop the baton in the middle of the race. And you go, oh, I'm going to run in this lane over here. I don't like that lane over there. You're breaking all of the rules of the race. Even in the world, they disqualify you. Why do we think we can continue to run the whole race and make it across the finish line and hear, well done, good and faithful servant, when we ignore the Lord of glory, when we ignore what he's doing, when we trample underfoot the blood of Jesus? Very important stuff that we should have in the church today instead of just thinking that it's one and done. And I can run any way I want. I can do anything I want. I can make it up myself. Well, that's just like not being saved. That's what we were doing in the darkness. He's turned the light on. And our back must be to the light. And we're still living in darkness because I'm telling you right now, the light is so much better. You're free to see what you're stepping on. You're free to see what you can step over. In the light, you know not to pick it up. And you're learning, training your heart, renewing your mind not to go there anymore. So he says, who hindered you? Who knocked you off course? Who told you that lie? What sin did you commit that you did not think he already forgave you of? And you said, well, I'm out of the race now. I might as well sit down and drink some water and just be like uh, uh, uh what is it? The wise men uh, uh, fall seven times, but a fool falls by calamity. See, the fool who really doesn't believe in God just stays down when he stumbles. But a wise man falls seven times. That's poetic. That's, that means he just keeps, he keeps getting back up and going, Lord, forgive me. That was really wrong. But he has a heart not to practice sin, but a heart to quit a heart to stop, a heart to be cleansed and purified and be zealous for good works and run by the rules. And God already knows that. That's why he came and died for you, to set you free from the penalty and the power of sin so you could run and then get set free in your heart from the practice of sin. And one day he's going to take us out of the very presence of sin and take us to be with him. That's glorification. That's the end of the race. I don't know how I thought I could get through all this. Ah! Where are we at? This persuasion, verse 8, 
Listen, new beginning. Listen, new beginning. Oh, I got to do that. I'm sorry. It's an eight. This persuasion does not come from him who calls you. Listen, being hindered, starting well and then disobeying the truth, never learning the truth, not being led by the Spirit. This is not the persuasion that comes from Jesus. He wants you to agree and yield to him. This persuasion, this type of teaching, this type of life does not come from God. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Remember leaven and bread? You ever put some in and it just keeps swelling? See, when you begin to live that way, it, just, it can just mess up the whole life. It'll just swell into every part of your life. If you don't learn, you need to be led by the Spirit. You need to confess your sin. You need to keep running the race. You need to not be practicing sin. Leaven is a, a type of influence of evil. And it begins to leaven the whole loaf of bread. I have confidence in you. This is the great part because God forgives. If you just repent, you just turn the first word of the gospel. You just say, wait a minute, Holy Spirit, I want to be led by you. I want to know why you call me. I want to be fully involved in the body of Christ for the glory of God. I want to run this race to win. And he says, I have confidence in you. Notice where he puts it at, in the Lord. See, the Lord sent the Spirit to do this work. He's going to convict you. He'll continue the work He started in you until the day of Christ Jesus. So I have full confidence in you, in the Lord. If you stay on the vine, in the branches, that you will have no other mind. This will be your mind. But he who troubles you shall bear his judgment, whoever he is. False teachers, whatever it is. They're going to be judged. God's going to get them. That's how I got saved. I knew a verse that said, better that a millstone be tied around my neck and cast into the ocean than I make one of these little ones to stumble. I knew that verse. And my wife went and got saved. And I knew that I either had to get saved or I had to completely leave her. And God used this physical relationship to bring me back to salvation, to cause me to repent, because I knew that God would get me. And I had a fear of God that he was going to get me if I caused my wife now of 25 years to stumble when she began to live for God seriously, I knew he was going to get me. And he told me so in so many words by the Spirit of God. So I surrendered to God. We got married two days later, and I wouldn't recommend that for anybody because the first year of marriage was hard and the second year was worse. But God's been faithful because we have confidence in God. If we stay in the Lord, he will do the work. Faithful is he who called you, and he will also do it if you allow him to do it, and you don't try to do it on your own. So have you got this mind? Is that the mind you want to put on? Having your mind renewed? Is this the mind? Is this the way you're moving? This type of a mind that you want to be part of what God is doing in the Spirit and be led by the Spirit? And I, brother, in verse 11, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? Then the offense of the cross has ceased. See, if he wasn't preaching the truth, if he was still preaching what everybody else was preaching, if he was still preaching circumcision, these Judaizers and all the other attackers and all the other false teachers wouldn't be attacking him. He wouldn't be suffering such things. He could just blend in with everybody else. Listen, you think, you think that you can blend in? That's death. Where the Spirit of God is, there's liberty, there's freedom, but there's also evidence of new life. Remember when the Spirit came upon the church in Acts chapter 2? There was a wind, but nothing was harmed. That's power. Things were being moved, but nothing was hurt. There was, you couldn't see it, but you knew it was there. And then there was fire. 
There was a consuming fire that began, and it didn't burn anything up because it was burning up the spiritual things. It was taking care of life. It was giving the people new life and a new spirit to live in and not to live in the flesh. Verse 12, I could wish, this is as mean as you'll probably get, see Paul get, I could wish that those who trouble you would even cut themselves off. This is talking about mutilation. He's using a play on words for circumcision. And he wants them to cut themselves off from the body if they're not going to teach the truth and live by the truth. It's kind of a hard statement, but it's true. For you, brethren, have been called to freedom, to liberty. Only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love... Where does love come? It's working through, faith is working through love. Through love, serve one another. That's the one another ministry. Lay down your life. Give yourself away. Don't use your freedom as to go back and do anything. All things are lawful. I can do whatever I want. Don't judge me, man. No, that's using it going the wrong way. That's using your salvation and your liberty going the wrong way. We've been set free to follow. We've been set free to go out and tell others. We've been set free to be the body of Christ, to serve others. We don't use it for an opportunity to sin. But listen, if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. We can ask for forgiveness, turn around, repent, begin to follow again and be led by the Spirit and serve others. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But we don't have any problem loving ourselves, do we? The problem is just turning from self and beginning to take care of neighbors, beginning to serve others, beginning to love. That's what Jesus did. He gave up everything to gain nothing. We don't change him one bit. But he came and saved us. Gave up his entire life. But if you bite, but if you bite and devour one another, beware lest you be consumed by one another. Listen. Love gives grace and mercy. Love overlooks transgressions. Love serves one another. Love is trying to build up others, not bite and devour. That's the flesh. That's building church on your own way. Receive people where they're at and encourage them to grow. I say then, see, we need this help or we'll bite and devour. We need this help or we'll build according to business budgets and, and buildings. We need this help or we'll pretend and lie, quench and grieve and resist the Holy Spirit. We need this help. We need to be reminded that we're to be living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eye and the boastful pride of life, but be transformed, Holy Spirit, by the renewing of your mind, Revealing truth, washing and cleansing, so you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Become evidence that there's a true living God. We need this help. How does this help come? I say then, verse 16, walk in the Spirit. Be led by the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. See, our flesh, we're carrying this flesh around. You've got to put it in the grave. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. The life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith, because of grace, in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Walking is peripateo. 
peripateo. It's your general walk. As you tread about, as you go about life, you're listening to the Spirit. You're being led by the Spirit. You're asking the Spirit, how do I deal with this? Somebody yells at you. You think about the Holy Spirit, give me some self-control here. Because in the flesh, I could grab them and throw them down and kick them. But in the Spirit, I want to know that they need to know you. And, I, and I'm no longer my own. Oh, we can go further. They smack you. They hit you. And you can stop them. But in the Spirit, the Spirit still wants them to be saved. Jesus never mentioned a word when they beat him, spit on him, kicked him, mocked him, crucified him. Like a sheep that goes to the shear, he went to the slaughter. He went silently. He could have answered them. They would not have been able to even handle what he said. But he laid his life down so that others could be saved. And now you and I become like him by the power of the Spirit going to others. And we learn to grow in that. We walk in the Spirit. It's not floating it's not floating. It's finding out what the will of the Lord is, finding out what the truth is, asking the Holy Spirit to give you power to do what? The work of the ministry. It's being focused on the mind of doing God's will and not on the flesh. But see, we get trapped into this. We look at TV and we go, man, I'd really like to have that car. Man, I'd really like, eh, eh, eh. and we start to covet and want and desire and we go after it instead of listening to what the Spirit's already said. We're already rich. We're royalty. We're kings and priests for our God. And none of this stuff down here matters. It's going to burn. God's economy is in souls. So if we live, our general walk, everything that we do is about the Spirit, you will not fulfill. The word fulfill uh, is the word teleo. It's the same word Jesus used and he hung on the cross. The last three words that he used, what did he say? It is finished. That's the same word. You will not finish the works of the flesh. You'll see that they're death culture. You'll see that they lead nowhere. And it's the same words that he used. You will not execute. You will not perform the works of the flesh because you'll be walking in the Spirit, living according to the Spirit, in the Word, prayer, and fellowship, finding out truth, shining light on others. For the flesh lust against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Wretched man that I am, Paul said. The thing that I want to do, I don't do. And the thing that I don't want to do, I do. Who will save me from this body of sin? I thank my God in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one that saves us. And what did he do when he left? He said, I'll not leave you an orphan. I'll send you back another one just like me, the spirit of truth, who will be with you and in you. And then he will be upon you. We're going to talk about that next week. The filling of the Holy Spirit, the power to go out in love, the power to go out and be a minister of God. Don't miss it. It seems that the devil attacks when we're finding out truth and people don't show up. Hopefully they listen online. Listen, if you want to walk in freedom and follow Jesus 
It has to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. It has to be as you listen to the Holy Spirit. It has to be as you have the mind to be washed and cleansed and sanctified and set apart to do His will. And you understand your calling, that you're His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. That He's called you for a reason. He can wash you. He can cleanse you. He can finish it. He can put you exactly where you need to be when you need to be there. But you have to die to self. You have to say no to your flesh. Because the flesh and the spirit are contrary to one another. They oppose one another. And if your flesh is involved, that's when you're going to quench and grieve and insult and lie to and resist the Holy Spirit. Because all the Holy Spirit's doing is trying to burn out the dross. Get rid of the flesh. Destroy your desire for the lust of the flesh, the last of the eye, and the boastful pride of life. Destroy your desire to listen to another voice because your voice wants to, that you want to listen to wants to walk in darkness. And the Spirit has no fellowship in darkness. You'll never sin walking in the Spirit. Absolutely impossible. There's no sin in God. And the Spirit is God. He is a person. He's the third part of the Trinity. He's just as much very God as Jesus is, just as much very God as the Father is. And He lives in you and can completely restore you to the place that He wants you to be and equip you to do the work that He's called you to do. But you can't live both places. You'll love one and hate the other. Verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You're above the law. The Spirit of the law. Or the law um, keeps you in a place where you're in bondage. Because you can't keep it, but you want to keep it. But when you're in the Spirit, you're already free. It's already been kept for you when your faith is in Christ. Grace alone and faith alone. He's already kept it completely for you. Now your position is already righteousness. Your position is already finished. What's leading your life today? What's your master passion? That's what's leading your life. Why do you get up? Is it to tell people about Jesus? Is it to meet with God? Is it, oh, I got to get to work because I got a car payment? I found out the other day, I go, oh, this stinks. The word mort. Most people get these tattoos, mortem. Mort means death. Mortgage means death grip. I found that out the other day. Nobody told me that before I signed the paperwork. But when you become in debt, you become in bondage. And now i got to go work to pay off my debt because I want to be a good witness. So everything that you do and everything that you have makes you have being more mort, more bondage to death culture in everything that you do. Now, don't get me wrong. It's probably better with God's money to pay a mortgage than it is to pay rent and waste his money as much as rent is anymore. But it still means death grip. They should tell us, huh? But they don't want you to know. They want to have a death grip on you. They want you to be in bondage. They want you to be led by your mortgage and not by the Spirit of God. 
They want you to be entrapped by thinking that things make you instead of your identity coming from what the Spirit of God gives you in Christ, your inheritance. He's the executor of the estate, by the way. The Spirit is handing out everything that belongs to Jesus. And when you follow Him and you surrender to Him and you accept Him and you listen to Him, He can give you more and more and more. When you're not following Him, it looks like this. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. They're manifest. They're clear. They're in the light. They're known. They're adultery. Fornication. Those are the words pornea. Anything that's outside of the marriage bed where God has designed it is adultery. It's fornication. It's uncleanness. It's lewdness. Verse 20, idolatry. That's, that's, that's making some other God. Your works can do that. You make another God other than the God that saved you by grace alone and faith alone and wants you to be led by His Spirit alone to wash you and cleanse you to make you His alone. See, Paul said, I, I, I betrothed you as a virgin, a chaste virgin to one. Why are you chasing everything else? You should be preparing yourself for the wedding supper of the Lamb to consummate the wedding. And you can only do that through the Spirit of God. Sorcery. There it is. Sorcery. Listen to me. I just looked it right up in the Strong's, and it tells me that sorcery is, in the King James, it says witchcraft. Now, see, you might think it's worse than sorcery, but it's still witchcraft. And then what's it mean? What's it say? It's the word pharmakeia. And, and, and it says medication. That's simple. It says medication. Pharmacy. Magic. That's what it says. It doesn't say anything else. When you look it up. Be very careful who you listen to. Be very careful who you listen to. The rich men of the earth are deceiving many with their sorcery, with their witchcraft, with their pharmacy. Hatred. You hate somebody in your heart, you commit murder. Contentions. Jealousies. This is all the flesh. This is what it looks like. Are these in your life? Are these things going on in your life? They're caused by the flesh. They're not caused by the spirit. Suffering, persecution, pain can be caused by the Spirit. These other things are caused by the flesh. Envying others instead of being content with godliness. Murders, drunkenness. Here's another one that's misconstrued. Listen, that's the word methe. Methe. It's where we get methamphetamine from. It's the word methe. It means to be habitually intoxicated with anything. Yet in our culture, they, they actually translated that word to drunkenness. But it means to be drunk instead of sober-minded. It means being drunk on something else that you're intoxicated with. Instead of being sober-minded and following the Lord and being led by the Spirit. Revelries and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who do, King James, practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Listen to me. If we're practicing the flesh and staying focused on the flesh and having a form of godliness that denies the power thereof, if we're not surrendering and being led by the Spirit of God, we are not gods. We will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's only given out by the Holy Spirit who is the executor of the state as you surrender and learn to obey and have a mind to come after God to do the work of God for the glory of God. 
Doesn't matter how many prayers you say, if you're not doing the will of God, Matthew 7, you were here, be away from me, I never knew you. So we're supposed to be doers and not hearers only, deceiving ourselves. The word there for practice or for do uh, is to perform repeatedly, habitually. It just means to keep doing the same thing and thinking that you're going to get different results. To keep doing the same thing. It's a sin. God forgives sin. He's forgiven all of your sin. But if that is your way of life and your mind is not to go onward and upward and to follow the Holy Spirit and be washed and cleansed and sanctified, then you're actively practicing sin and falsely deceiving yourself and you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Just says it right there. I, I can't change it. But here's contrast. Verse 22, the fruit See, works are of the flesh, but fruit grows as you abide in the Spirit. Fruit goes as you abide in the vine. Fruit just grows naturally as you surrender and say, wow, I want to inherit the kingdom of God. I want to be one of those that are following you. I want to be your child. I don't want to keep living in darkness the way I was living and be self-deceived and the sin nature still ruling my life. I want to walk in the Spirit so that I do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So here we are, Lord. The fruit, it, it actually is that which is plucked. Listen, when it's ripe, it's plucked. You know, God's going to pluck us out of here. He's going he's to take us right out of the air and take us into heaven. He's going to pluck us when our fruit is ready. You pluck it when it's ripe, when it's complete. You leave it hanging on the vine until it's complete, until it's ripe and ready. He's getting ready to come. Getting ready to come real soon. And the fruit of the Spirit is love. Because God is love. What were we doing over here? By faith, working through love. That was verse 6. We're not, we're not trying to do it ourselves, being circumcised. It profits us nothing. But faith, working through love. And now here is the fruit of the Spirit, which is love. God is love. The Spirit is love. He uses the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, to cut away the flesh and to build up, as you obey it, to build up the fruit of the Spirit. And it looks like joy. Joy, here's the great acrostic. Jesus, others, and yourself. Put Jesus first, then serve one another, and then yourself last. Because in the world, we want to put self first, others second, and Jesus last. That's upside-down living. See, we'll even do for others before we'll do for Jesus. Because we think that our works and our circumcision of our heart is going to save us. So we think that makes us right with God when we, well, I got my stuff done. I'm going to go give a little bit of my time to the food pantry. And since I'm giving to the poor, God will be happy with me. It's upside down. Jesus, first fruits. Jesus, everything. Then others and yourself last. Very hard life to live, and it can only be done through the Spirit of God. Cannot be done in the flesh and grow any fruit that's going to last. So it's joy. These are things that should be happening on the inside of a heart, and then they come out in the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. They come out in the actions. They come out in the evidence. They come out as fruit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, and it looks like this. Joy, peace, we can rest, long-suffering, or patience, kindness, and this is actions to others, goodness, faithfulness. You can't be faithful to follow God and be led by the Spirit unless the Spirit is involved. Gentleness. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The coming of the Lord is at hand. Self-control. 
that's spiritual restraint. Sometimes you have to know when not to speak. Sometimes you have to know when to speak. On some have compassion, others save with fear, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Let the Spirit lead your life. I get up every morning, I commit to the Holy Spirit the day and ask you to prepare me, ask Him to fill me with His Spirit for the work of the ministries and then fill my mouth when I get there. It's a surrender of your life, moment to moment, day to day, or your flesh will be on the throne and you won't even know it and you'll be walking in the flesh and you'll be ignoring the work of the Spirit. Believe me, it's freeing. It's, it, when you begin to, to live for God, it's freeing. Going to church and doing works in the flesh because you think you're going to be okay is bondage again. Against such there is no law. There is no law against God. There is no law against true love. Now this sloppy agape and this fake stuff that they're telling us where everybody gets in and everybody gets, you just let everybody do what they want. No, light shines into darkness because that darkness is going to hell. And if they continue to do those things, they're going to go to hell. And those who are Christ, do you belong to God? What are you being led by? The children of God are led by the Spirit of God. And those who are Christ, are you bought by the precious blood of Jesus? Have crucified the flesh. It's not some euphemism. It's to put to death. Because we were murderers and Christ died for us because we were murderers. Christ took our curse on the cross. And if we're going to take his spirit and take his life and go out and be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, we have to get rid of the flesh or we're going to be terrible witnesses. With its passions and desires. Oh boy, the flesh lust after. Remember, it's contrary to the spirit we were just told. If we live in the spirit, so we walk in the spirit, we can live in the spirit, we can be led by the spirit, and we can understand that there's nothing good that dwells in the flesh. If we live in the spirit, that's the way of life. Let us also walk in the spirit. See, the spirit has made us alive. I'm going to barely get to Romans 8. We'll do it really quick. If we live in the Spirit, let us parapateo in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Let's not live like that. Conceited means self-absorbed. That's why there's a self-esteem gospel. That's why psychology exists. All of that is a lie. All of that is to get you to worry about your own esteem and to take care of self and ignore other people. If there's any left over, we'll give it to them. And the kingdom of God is upside down from that. Psychology is earthly, central, demonic wisdom that leaves God out. Does it have truth? Yes. If you don't have Jesus, it has lots of truth in it. Ungodly truth. Worldly truth. A system to keep people at bay and in bondage so that they never come to Jesus. It doesn't have godly truth in it at all. So it has the lying sciences in it. Let's quickly go over. We'll close with this. Romans chapter 8, which was our memory verse this week, 814. I just want you to understand that you've been set free. I want you to see that you, there's no life in the flesh. Because see, we keep pursuing the flesh. But we should be allowing the Spirit to lead us and understanding that the flesh is death. And, he, and here's the, the big verse everybody quotes. There is therefore, 8.1, 
no condemnation. Now, see, I think they translated that word wrong. That word should be damnation. See, there's no condemnation. It's a moral judicial decree of damnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk, peripateo, according to the flesh. See the requirement? See, if you're still living to the flesh, there's, there's damnation, there's judgment. He just said you won't inherit the kingdom of God. But according to the Spirit. Now, most of them have the X there that says the, the most versions don't have that in there. For the law of the Spirit of life is Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. For the law of the Spirit of life. Now, we're going to go over this perfectly on Friday night with our memory verse. I don't know if I can say perfectly, but completely. The Spirit of life. Isn't that nice? The Spirit of life. The Spirit gives life. The words that He speak is life. The spirit of life in Jesus Christ has made me free. That's how, we've been, that's how we've been set at liberty from the law of sin and death. What's he talking about? Well, the wages of sin is death. And the law revealed sin to us and, and what we should not be doing. And since we couldn't keep it, we ended up with a curse of death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. Why is the law weak? The law is perfect. Converting the soul. But the flesh is weak and couldn't keep it. So when you can't keep the law, when it says thou shall not, then you automatically receive death. That's what Adam gave to us. God did what was weak. Look, he made strong through the power of his spirit. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. That's why I don't spend too much time on verse 1 arguing about whether it should be in there. He repeats it right there. So no matter what, even the versions that take if you walk according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh out, it's still repeated again. And by the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a matter be established. The law is perfect. The law has, been, has, has not been removed. The law has been fulfilled by Jesus. We couldn't keep the law, so it brought death. But Jesus kept it perfectly, and he gives it to us and puts it on our account if we believe. Listen to this. It's Romans 10.4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So if you believe Jesus kept it perfectly, it's the end of the law to you. You've been set free to live in the Spirit and you have His righteousness and God sees you perfectly and you're set free from the law of sin and death. And now you can walk in the Spirit because Jesus came in the likeness of sinful man and walked it out perfectly. Verse 5, For those who live according to the flesh... Look where they set their minds. What mind do you have? Set their mind on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Where's your mind at? Father, we pray that you'd give us a mind to be set upon the things of the Spirit and not the flesh. For to be fleshly minded, it might say carnally, same thing, but to be fleshly minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. 
because of Christ. Because the carnal or fleshly mind is an enemy against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For one must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Flesh can't please God. Works can't please God. Only the Spirit when you receive the blood of Jesus. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Listen, this is your identity. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. See, because he seals you when you believe. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead. Because of sin. But the spirit. Now you can take that and mark out that capital S. And put a little S there. In verse 10. But the spirit. Your spirit is life because of righteousness. See your spirit is now married to Christ's spirit. And because of his righteousness. You now have life. But somehow they put a capital S on that. Which changes the whole context of the sentence. It's talking about your spirit being betrothed to Christ. And now you have life because of his righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. How? Through his spirit who dwells in you. That's what he's doing. He's given life to your mortal body. See, he raised the body up. The spirit was alive. And he put the spirit back in the body when Christ rose. And with you, we've been given the spirit and we have to say no to the flesh because it's dead. It's crucified with Christ. But as we obey and listen and follow, he is sanctifying and cleansing us and giving us that full life, the glorification when we see him in heaven with your mortal bodies. But you have to cooperate with the spirit. Therefore, all because of that, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if we live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Reckon the old man dead. He's dead. Quit giving him life. Quit giving him food. Quit feeding him. Turn to the spirit. And do the works of the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Ask God to help you to walk out. The Spirit of God's longing to do that. He doesn't want you resisting Him and grieving Him and quenching Him, lying to Him. He wants to and He wants to give you the power to walk out your calling. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the children of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. All of our life we feared death. To fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by which we cry, Abba, Father. And that spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, we get the inheritance, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. That's the end of the race. Glorification. The finish line in heaven. And there's going to be suffering. Listen, when you choose to be led by the Spirit, I guarantee you, people's not going to want to hear you talk. If you're led by the Spirit, they're not going to to want to be witnessing to them and talking about Jesus on the job, in the marketplace. 
They don't want to hear it. I don't know if you've noticed how evil the world is. Sometimes as Christians, we go to work, we go to church, and we don't do anything else. So we don't see how evil the world is. But they're doing laws to kill babies after they're born, up to 28 days afterwards. That's evil. I mean, it was already evil enough we're killing them in the womb. But the argument is, is that it's just the cells. It's just a cluster. There's no life there. Heartbeat doesn't mean anything because that's just tissues. It's not fully developed. But now they're saying after they come out, you smack them on the butt and you don't even know what sex they are because you've got to wait for them to grow up to tell you. Boy, is that against training a child in the way they're supposed to go? I mean, and against every other nature of law. But listen to me. Now you can choose to kill them later. Just evil. That's not, that's not choice. That's not women's rights. That's not medical there's now no danger to that body, so they, they're exposing their hand that really anybody that has to be taken care of and they can't actually take care of them and give to them taxes and give to them stuff, they just want to get rid of you. They tell you places like Austria has gotten rid of Down syndrome. Well, who caused it in the first place? Their pharmacy. But they've gotten rid of Down syndrome. Well, how are they doing it? By aborting babies. By doing these, these scans, and then they say, it looks like it's got a gene, so let's abort it. Let's kill it. We don't want anything. It's called eugenics. They've been trying to do this forever. It's what Nazi Hitler, or it's what Hitler did in Nazi Germany. It was eugenics to get rid of all these people that are peons and make this superior race. Nothing's changed. It's the devil. Death culture. Which spirit are you following? What are you doing now that you've come to salvation and been delivered into his marvelous light to see all of this truth? How has it changed us? What is the spirit saying to the church? Father, we give you praise and we thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it's been penned thousands of years ago and it's more applicable today than it ever was. The prophets who wrote it didn't even know what they were writing many times. But today we can see it coming to pass in the streets. Lawlessness abounding. Death culture reigning. And we know as we see the signs of the time that you're coming quickly. So we pray, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But until you come, Lord, we pray that we would be witnesses in your courtroom to your great glory, to your great salvation. And we would not shrink back from what you've called us to do. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Because I am.